0: One of, if not the most important questions we can answer, we can ask in life, is the question, why? Why do we do what we do? Why do we do it the way that we do it? There's some important questions that go with the question, why? Why determines so many different things in what we do we sometimes focus on the how how are we doing this thing what is the means by which we go about doing it? And those those are good questions but for me for me the why is more important than the how because the why determines where we're going and where we're trying to get the how just talks about how we get there we got to know where we're going it's an old saying if you aim at nothing you hit it every time you got to know what you're aiming for you got to know what you're trying to accomplish You know Why are we Christians? What's the purpose In all this? Why are we here this morning at St. Matthew's? Are we a member of this church Because of long time Family history and heritage of this church? Are we a member of this church Because it was the church that's closest to our house? You know, growing up in the the country, if you were Methodist or Baptist, it was usually determined by what was the closest church. That's what you became, is whatever church was closest to your house. Why? The whys are so important. The whys determine so much about what we do. Why? Why are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Because... Of a family heritage passed down to you, for generations? Are you a Christian because it's what we do as good people in the South? Are you a Christian because of a desire to flee from God's judgment? You know, by the way, all these are good answers. Now, I'm not judging the answers, it's knowing the why. You know, it's funny you go back and look at John Wesley's journals john wesley wrote about the first Methodists that he was he was working with and uh, he said they were a motley crew and uh he wasn't talking about the rock band come on that's good you didn't expect the motley crew reference did you he said they were they were anglicans and congregationalists and presbyterians And Baptists and all manner of people that came together under this early Methodist revival movement. And he said the only prerequisite to be a Methodist in this moment was a desire to flee from God's coming wrath. A desire to flee from God's judgment and to embrace and to know the grace and love of Jesus Christ. That was the driving force behind these. That was the why. Why? That was the why for him. What is our why? Why do we do this? I was, when I was in, um, why are we Christian? When I was in, in, out of college, I was eating dinner with a buddy of mine when I was trying to figure out directions in life and, and, and what I should do with my life. And I was called to ministry, but where do I go to seminary and all, all these different questions. And he, he invited me, his wife invited me over to eat dinner with him one night and he asked me a question that stuck with me for 20 years now. And he, he, he said, he used big fancy words. He said, Andy, what is the salvific goal? I'm like, dude, I'm from Boca I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, what does that mean? He was asking why. What is it all about? Why? do we do this? Why are we Christian? What's the point and the purpose? In the last few weeks, we've been walking together through some verses in Hebrews. We've been calling this series Back to the Basics because we've looked at some of the basics of Christianity. Week one, we talked about God's call to you, how God through through provenient grace has been calling you to himself that god has been desiring to know a relationship have a relationship with you god desires to know you god desires to walk with you god desires you if there is anything in your heart anything in your life that desires to know god that desire come from god because so often We say, okay, I know I'm supposed to walk with God, but but I'm not measuring up or I'm not doing good enough. And we beat ourselves up because we desire God, but yet we find ourselves lacking. Here's the deal, y'all. If there's anything in you that desires to know God, that is God's calling to you. That is God's grace to you. That is God's giftedness to you. Maybe you weren't quite there yet, but God calls you constantly. So what is he calling you to? Calling you to justification, calling you to make the decision to put your faith in him. We come to points, our life decision points. We've got to decide to follow or not follow, to accept or to reject. We've got to make that decision to put our faith in him or not. His grace is calling us to that. And then we make that decision to put our faith in Christ, to follow him. Scripture says that we can have assurance. We can know. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to fear. Through God's grace, you can know that you are beloved. As Hebrew says this morning, he will never leave nor forsake you. You don't have to live in fear of being rejected by God. But by following him, you can rest in the assurance of his grace. And that's all working us towards the Why? Why Why does God call us to this? Why does God, why did God send his son? What's this whole thing about? You know, it's funny. When I was younger, I didn't like talking about heaven. I just didn't like talking. I thought, ah, you know, so many Christians, I've heard the old, so many Christians are so heaven-minded, they're no earthly good. So I was a young preacher, but I'm not going to talk about heaven. The older I get, the more I like heaven. (laughs) The more I lose those I love the more I like heaven. The more I see friends get older, the more I like heaven. And one day, one day, y'all, that role's gonna be called up yonder. And right now we see as through a mirror darkly, but one day we see, we're going to see face to face. One day we're going to know fully as we have been fully known, is what Paul says in Corinthians. One day we're going to be forever with our God, and there will be no more sickness, pain, and death. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more abused women and children. There will be no more floods. There will be no more illness. We will forever be with the Lord, and He will wipe away every tear from our eye, and the old we put away, and the new will come and I can't wait I'm looking forward to that but friends here's the thing if the only why of our faith was heaven then why are we still here if our faith is only about heaven then why are we still here? There's a why. There's a why that's greater Now Go look at what Jesus says. Jesus began to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't just talk about a one day kingdom of heaven, but a now day kingdom of heaven. There's a why now. What's the why? What's the salvific goal? man comes to Jesus. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's it. That's the goal. Of all of this, because see here 's the thing in heaven in heaven we 're going to perfectly love God and perfectly love each other, because all these things now that that keep us distracted and keep us apart from God and hurt our walk with God and hurt our walk with each other in heaven, those things will be no more, those things will be gone, so in heaven we 'll perfectly love God and perfectly love each other that 's what 's going to happen then, but see the thing now is we 're on the earth, and I love my God and I love my neighbor. But when you cut me off in traffic I don't love you as much I don't I want to But you cut me off And I don't drive well I have Issues <laughs> Is that a way to put it? Would that be accurate? Is that what I got to confess You're the altar call I got to come and confess my <laughs> The why Of all of this is to love God and love each other. That's what the whole crux of the gospel is about. In one day in eternity, we're going to do it perfectly. But now upon the earth, we need his grace. We need his grace. We need his mercy. See, everything we do, y'all, everything. Every, this, is, this is my, I'm going to be very transparent as your pastor right now. Everything we do here. This is the why I ask myself. Why do we do this? Why do we worship like we worship? Why do we, why do, we do youth like we do our children, our, our, our missions, our services? Why are we doing these things? And y'all, for me, for our church, the goal of all of this is so that we can perfectly love God and love each other. That's it. That's what we're about is loving God and loving each other. And everything we do has got to help us do that. Are we, is everything we're doing, are, are the things we do in this church... Is it helping us accomplish that why? You can ask the staff. Whenever we are, are, are walking through things or doing things, and I'm, I always say, let's blow it up. It's not working. Let's try something else. Only thing I'm married to is Holly Stoddard. I'll think of that. Outside of that, everything else is up for grabs. I don't care. Is it helping us meet our purpose? What is that purpose? To love God and love each other. It's easy to love God on Sundays. It's really, it's really easy to love your neighbor gathering together in worship. But it's really hard to love your neighbor when you're in line at Walmart and the sign clearly says 15 items and they've got 31. <laughs> it's really hard to love your neighbor then. It's really hard to love your neighbor when it's been a long week. And your coworker just said something to offend you. Yeah, by, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but did you know that you can read something on Facebook, on the internet, that you disagree with and keep on going? <laughs> you can. Do you know that? Because here's the thing, y'all. I'm going to go from preaching to meddling now. If Jesus is Lord of your life, youth and adults... He's got to be Lord of your social media as well. How with one mouth can we praise God and yet curse our neighbor? How with the same mouth can there flow both blessings and curses? My brothers, this cannot be so. That's what the Bible says. Our faith has got to be as real on Tuesday afternoon as it is on Sunday morning. The why for me is this, is what we're doing here. It's how we live, and how we serve, and how we worship. Is it making our faith as real on Tuesday afternoon as it is on Sunday morning? That is the why the world needs is for the church not to just be the church on Sunday morning, and for Christians not just to be Christians on Sunday morning, but for Christians to be Christian on Tuesday afternoon when they're tired and irritable and their, and their coworkers getting on their nerves. That's the test of the gospel. That's when loving our neighbor's hard. And that's what the writer of Hebrews commands us to do today. is to love when we don't want to. To love when it's hard. To love God and our neighbor in a world that's doing everything in his power to keep us from doing those things. To love when our spouse pushes our buttons. To love when our children are smart off to us, to love when our coworker gossips about us. to love even yes when they cut you off in traffic. That's the why. The real life. The world desperately needs the church to be the church, not in the clouds, or not ethereally but the world needs the church to be the church in real life. On Tuesday afternoon, when nobody's looking, that's when the gospel becomes real. That's God's why for us. To love God and to love each other. Even on Tuesday afternoon. Through his grace, may that be so. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us your grace each day. God, through your grace now, may we love you and love our neighbor. Not just this morning, but this Tuesday afternoon. And Wednesday morning, Thursday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday. May you receive glory in all that we do. We love you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.